Hey you guys, Lauren here. It has been a minute since we've recorded a new episode, so I wanted to leave a little surprise for everyone going back re-listening or maybe you're listening for the first time. If you are interested in our graphic design contract template, you can use the code LOYALLISTENER for 50% off, making it uh, $37.50. This is an awesome, thorough contract I made in collaboration with my lawyer, Kirsty Lockmiller. If you are insecure about your current contract or maybe you don't have a contract, I would definitely recommend this one. You can find the link at our show notes and use the code LOYALLISTENER. Thanks for your support. Hello and welcome to Design Beat, where we share the stories of creative women who dance to the beat of their own drum. We hope you come away uplifted, inspired, and encouraged to go for it. How's it going, you guys? I'm doing so good. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Today we're talking with the amazing Annabelle Wrigley. Go check her out on Instagram. Her quilting, her color combinations, fabrics are just, we just love. Um, I've been loving having more of a variety of guests lately. We have some really different, interesting, super helpful guests coming on in the coming weeks. So I'm excited to share those with you. Annabelle was just so, she has a very calming presence and she was just hopeful and inspiring and so amazing to talk with. I can't wait for you to hear this interview. Before we get into it, a few items of business. I really want to do a design beat meetup in the Salt Lake City, Utah area. If you have any ideas, DM me. I've had a few people asking about meetups and I really want to make it happen because I really, really want to meet you guys. Let me know if you have ideas. I want it to be something where there's really low pressure, like maybe we just go to dinner or something. Just very laid back. I just want to hang out with you guys. All right, that's all I want. Next item of business, our design contract made in collaboration with Kirsty Lockmiller, who may or may not be coming on the podcast soon. She is. She's coming on the podcast soon. Um, Yeah, you should buy it. <laughs> probably should have written notes before I started talking. Um, This contract is the contract that I use for my design clients. It's very thorough. Take what you need. Erase what you don't. It's a design contract template made in collaboration with a lawyer so you can have peace of mind. So you can find that at designbeatpodcast.com slash contract. Also, if you heard last week's episode with the amazing Michelle Gifford and are interested in joining Moneymakers, which I'm sure you are after hearing Michelle share her wisdom with us, you can use code DESIGNBEAT25 for $25 off. All right, let's get into the interview. Here is Annabelle Wrigley. Hello, Annabelle. Thank you for talking with me today. Thank you for having me. So excited for this little chat. So we like to start off our episodes with this or that questions. Just like first thing that comes into your head. 
icebreaker type questions. How does that sound? Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm nervous. Okay. <laughs> Don't be nervous. So first question is, do you like your snacks salty or sweet? Salty, for sure. Mm. What's your favorite salty snack? Oh, chips. I'm a sucker for a pack of chips. Yeah? <laughs> what kind? Yeah. I love chips. Ah, salt and vinegar. <gasps> I love salt and vinegar chips. Yeah. Like if you offered me a chocolate bar or a packet of chips, I'm gonna pack I'm gonna pick the chips. Mm. All day. Salt and vinegar are the dangerous kind where you just can never stop. I know. I do like Doritos too, I have to say. <sighs> Doritos are Doritos are like car food, long drive car food. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Gas station pick. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Are you more productive in the morning or evening? Mm, I'd say I'm productive in the morning before noon and then in the afternoon, like after four. Really? In the, of the day, yeah, like 12 till three is a tough time for me. Yeah. I See, like after and... four is when I'm like so tired. So that's impressive yeah. that you get a second wind. Yeah, I'm not a nighttime. I don't work much at night, but my, I'm very productive between like four and six thirty. I get a lot done. Mm, interesting. Okay. Um, shows or movies? Shows. What shows are you watching right now? <laughs> I'm embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much all the reality trash. Mm, trashy TV? Because I work for myself here all day, every day. So I like to put on trashy shows that I don't really have to focus on too much and I can just listen to. It's like you're listening to someone's conversation nearby. Yeah. Just have people. I mean, I'm a, I mean, I'm a sucker for the housewives. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay, well, let's dive into the interview. Um, do you okay. want to just give us a little background on you, how you got started doing what you do? Sure. Um, I really started, I didn't, I was a psychiatric nurse for um, a lot of years. I'm oh, a registered wow. nurse. Well, I was a registered nurse. And then um, after I had my son, I was on maternity leave and decided that I wanted to learn how to sew a couple of things to make for him. Mm. And so I learned just a couple of like hat things because I was like, I'm not paying that for a hat. I'm going to make it myself. And it kind of started that way. I really realized that I enjoyed it. I started making hats for all my friends' kids. And then I started selling to shops and started doing markets and it really took off and it ended up sort of going into like a small children's clothing collection back in Australia. Mm. Um, and it was really great. And I realized that as much as I loved mental health and working in mental health, that I really enjoyed being creative a whole lot more and being around for my kids. So I, I started that. And then a few years in, um, we had the opportunity to move over here to Virginia when the kids were little, little, and 
so we took that leap and I left that business behind but was still sewing because I wasn't legally able to work at that time in mm. the States. Mm-hmm. So I spent that time just sewing all day long, making things for them. And then that sort of carried on until my daughter was probably six and would watch me sew and was like, what are you doing? And I want to learn how to do that. So I gradually started teaching her how to sew. And then it kind of, kind of like the hats, it kind of grew by word of mouth. And I started teaching a lot of friends' kids how to sew. Mm. And I never really thought that that was my, I'd be able to do that because I didn't think, I didn't think I sort of loved working with kids that much. Mm. But then I realized that I actually really loved working with kids that really wanted to learn something that I really loved. So that kind of started my, you know, earlier pre-pandemic career of teaching children to sew for probably 11 years and I had my studio sort of grew out of my house and then went into a a space and then a bigger space and then a bigger space and it became um you know it became my full-time job and then sort of on the side I was you know designing some fabric collections for Wyndham Fabrics and Mm. I was writing writing several books for um children teaching children to sew with cnt publishing i think i have maybe um six six books with them currently oh wow yeah and another one coming out and um and then when the pandemic hit you know like everything just came to a big standstill on my business i had to close my business and i kind Mm. of in a way i was really sad but in a way i was ready to move on into sort of a more creative career for myself where I really wanted to explore you know my work and have a lot of time to do that so Mm -hmm. we ended up moving to Richmond from Warrington Virginia Mm. about an Mm -hmm. hour and a half away and I started really putting all my energy into more fabric design and then working on you know some art quilts and different techniques and developing quilt patterns and kind of just finding my voice in this kind of creative textile community and so that's kind of where I am right now just exploring making quilts doing quilt patterns designing more fabric and um you know still teaching but more teaching on the adult side of things okay Cool. Yeah, it's, kind of grow, it's kind of grown and evolved into me sort of working on my own practice. Yeah, which yeah. is so cool that you've gotten to yeah. that point. Yeah, it's great. Even though it may have been unfortunate circumstances that got you there with the pandemic, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But I also felt like I had put in, I, like I'd done a lot of time with the kids and I'd had a lot of kids with me for 10 years and I felt like it was just a natural thing to move on from there as much mm. as I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was time. Yeah, it was time. So is teaching still a big part of what you do today? Or um, is it more of like a side thing? It's more of a side thing. So okay. I'll teach, um, I'll occasionally teach uh, quilt guilds of adults. I've traveled a little bit around the country doing that. And um, you know, through my books and my patterns, but not so much in-person teaching these days. It's more um, really promoting my fabric lines and and sort of 
working on my own practice, which is really nice to have the time to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get into the fabric design world? How did that start? Well, um, my I have a really good friend, Heather Ross. She's a fabric designer She and an illustrator. I'm sure a lot of your listeners would have heard of her. She illustrates mm-hmm. children's books and she's really great. And she was designing fabric for Wyndham Fabrics and she was like, you know, I think that you should try it. And so I did and um, put out my first collection and then I've done a few with them since. Most of them based on... Um, you know, like vintage florals, which I never thought that would be something I would design, but it was such a part of my life growing up was being surrounded by all these beautiful textiles and being dressed in all these beautiful textiles. Um, And so I did them and then we decided that we really, really wanted to do a solids collection, so just plain colours of all the colours that we couldn't find. And so... We developed this collection. We've just got some new colours that came out. So we have 55 total colours that we developed together um, called Ruby and Bee. And that's after my daughter, Ruby, and her daughter, Bee. I have a daughter, Ruby, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's such a Ruby, too. Um, <laughs> and it's it sort of went from there. It's like it's a real, like I'm so thankful to have that. And to be able to play and experiment with my own colors every day. It's great. Yeah, that is so cool. You have such an eye for color and color combinations, like the quilt that's hanging behind you right now. Those colors are amazing. Um, Yeah. Where do you get your inspiration from? How do you come up with these visually interesting patterns and colors? It's funny because so many people ask me that question and they ask if I, um, you know, had had learned and studied like color theory and I haven't and I choose not to because it's really instinctive, the stuff that I do and I make, there's no plan when I get started. It's, I like to work that way, Mm. except when it comes to like a pieced quilt, like the the pink and blue and orange one here on the wall. Mm -hmm. Um, with the other ones like this one right here, it's it just kind of it just kind of happens. And sometimes color combinations that aren't supposed to go together or don't really make sense, they make sense for me. So I yeah. really go off what I'm feeling at the time. So it's just kind of intuitive what feels good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think color, you know, color for me has the ability to change my mood. It's has the ability to make you happy and finding that color combination that just really makes you feel something mm-hmm. is kind of what all my work is about. It's, you know, my house is a lot more muted than this. I have a pretty muted house, but mm-hmm. when I come here, I'm surrounded by so much color. It's, um, it just makes me happy. So, you know, it's difficult to describe how I come up with color combos, but it's really just what I'm feeling at the time. Yeah. I love that. And I totally agree with that color is really important to me in my process as well I feel like people underestimate how important the right color combinations are and like you said how they really can change your mood totally totally and I love seeing um you know I love seeing how you know fashion for 22 
is just all about color and that makes me happy because I just I just love it I just get a physical mm-hmm. reaction I just get a physical <laughs> reaction to color so yeah I love that so what do you do when you feel stuck creatively how do you how do you get past it how do you motivate yourself to keep creating really good question because it happens to me quite a lot where I just can't I just can't (laughs) like I Mm -hmm. I really try to to work on stuff and I just I have this full creative mental block and sometimes I use that time to sort of search for inspiration and you know go out there look for vintage fabrics or I love thrifting so I go out and thrift a lot and um, you know, look for old quilts and sit online for hours on end looking for inspiration. And sometimes it's just as simple as, you know, saying, okay, you're going to sit down and make something for yourself now and get back into that kind of groove. It might just be making, you know, a quilt block that's for nobody else but for me. Mm-hmm. And that usually helps me get over that hump. But, but it's hard. Like creative block is real. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes, you know, my quilts I won't work on a quilt for a couple of weeks because I just don't have I'm just stuck yeah but then it's great when you can kind of get through that and then I'm in my crazy most productive (laughs) time yeah I love that that's so good yeah if you guys haven't checked out Skillshare yet you need to. You can learn about pretty much any creative field from the best of the best. And one thing I love about Skillshare is that you don't have to pay per class. You just get a membership and you have access to all of their classes. And it's self-paced so you can start as many classes as you want. You don't have to finish anything. You can jump around. If you want to brush up on any of your skills or learn something new, Skillshare is a really great place to do that. You can get 40% off an annual membership at the link in our show notes. What's something you wish you could tell yourself if you could go back to when you were first starting out what's something you would tell yourself um probably back then to not be so hard on myself and not compare myself to other people Mm. and not be at because you know in the beginning I was so hung up on perfection you know like oh I have to be good enough and and you know I'm not a master quilter and I'm still not I'm still not a master quilter. I'm like a fly by the seat of my pants, work it out, cobble things together. That's how I, that's how I like it. And it took me quite a long time to get to a point where I was really, you know, not freaking out about people looking too closely or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and, you know, I talk about perfection a lot in a lot of interviews I've done and um, things like that, because I think that that is such a um, block for people yeah you know we're all comparing ourselves to everybody else on social media and it's a very you know it's hard when you're in the creative community right and so letting go of that and just creating stuff that makes you feel happy is really you know I, I wish I'd known that starting out because I feel like that really stood in my way in the early years for sure yeah especially when I was teaching children and I would be teaching children how to make quilts and then maybe someone's master quilter aunt came into the studio one day to see their work and would be like why are you teaching them that way and why Mm. are you why are you doing that way and why are they cutting that way and I'd be like because they're eight Mm -hmm. and we're learning we're learning to love to create we're not 
we're not starting off by being critical of everything we do because then that takes all the fun out of it. Mm, That is such a good point. When you're teaching children, you're not as critical of them because they're children and you're gentle with them. You want to foster that creativity more than anything. That's a good lesson for ourselves when we're starting things. Just because we're adults doesn't mean we shouldn't be gentle with ourselves and forgiving and let go of that perfection I love that and if you and if you make something you love and it's not perfect but you love it who else cares other than you Mm -hmm. like if that makes you happy and you love it that's all that really matters and if you love it chances are a lot of other people will love it too yeah yeah it's hard because I feel like this is something that I have to relearn weekly, daily, because in this industry, we're always looking at other people's work. We're seeing what other people are doing. We're searching for inspiration. So it's kind of hard sometimes to compartmentalize and not compare. And just, I'm always relearning how to just be happy for other people and enjoy their work and let it inspire me and not compare myself to them and hold myself to that standard. Totally. And also because what you see on social media isn't a true reflection of, you know, the process and how hard that was for that person to get there and how difficult it was for them to create that Mm -hmm. amazing piece of art or quilt. And they probably had, all their children running around under their feet and the mm-hmm. messy house and laundry piled up and, and all we're seeing, we're just seeing this perfect image, but you know, like we're all, we're all going through it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think it's just important to say, stay true to who you are and not, not feel the need to, you know, I, I love to appreciate other people's work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that we should all just appreciate and accept everybody for everything that they're doing and, and you know, the, the, the power of, like, comparing yourself to other people is really quite crippling for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It is for sure. I know yeah. from talking to so many artists and designers on the podcast, I think almost everyone has said something about not comparing yeah. So it's a big challenge for sure. Yeah. So what does an average day on the job look like for you? Different every day. Every day is different. But um, like today I'm packing, I'm packing orders. So that'll be my day. And uh, some days I know that I can spend all week working on my own work and, and making all day. Um, but it's different every day. But it's really lovely to be busy every day. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love being so, busy. Yeah. And I kind of like that every day is different. Yeah. Some days there's a little bit of time to go out thrifting, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that flexibility. Yeah. <laughs> what would an ideal day look like for you? Making without distraction all day long. Mm. And um, yeah, that would be an ideal day. But I do have, you know, I, I do have to, you know, you, you also got to keep a business running. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, cu- I'm cutting fabric and packing orders and I'm very, very thankful that I get those orders. So 
I try and get that done in the morning, get all my shipping done, and then the afternoons I'm free to work on my own stuff. Awesome. What is your favorite project you've worked on? Hmm. I think my favorite, like, paste quilt is the the pink and blue one behind me. Mm, I love that one. It took a really, really long time. And I think it's it was one of my favorite ones to sort of watch come together and be like, oh my gosh, this is actually working. This mm-hmm. is actually looking. I'm feeling really great about this. I'm really enjoying it. And then I actually also love doing the um, the doodle quilts, which is the more sort of graphic quilts. I love doing them. They're really fun. They're so. They're fun. probably my. They're probably my. That quilt's probably my favorite, and then working on these ones, I I just really love doing that. I want to try my hand at some other things this summer when things settle down. Um, I really want to try rug tufting. Ooh. I feel like I would feel like I would love to get a tufting gun, and like somehow translate my quilt designs into rug designs. That's kind oh of oh my goodness, that would be so cool. I'd love to try that next. Yeah, I would love to see that. Yeah. But as usual for me, I want to go, as usual for me, I want to go all in and get, do the biggest rug. And like, that's, that's my problem is that I get an idea of something I want to try or a technique I want to try. And I don't start off small. I just Mm. go for it. And just, I'm just all in. So that may be what I'm doing this summer. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be your summer project. My summer project. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. So a common question that we have in the industry is how do you decide what to charge oh my gosh I am the worst at that (laughs) I am the absolute worst at it I'm really uncomfortable with setting prices for my work and I think it's because you know as artists we all none of us I, I think well not none of us but I think a large percentage of us have a really hard time putting value on our work Right. And it's also the imposter syndrome is r- real 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always had a really, really hard time with it. Um, I recently had some work in a gallery and she really helped me a lot with setting prices. She was like, listen, this is what you need to do. This is how we're going to price it. And I really appreciated someone else taking the initiative on that because mm-hmm. because it's so hard. It's yeah. really hard. So I don't really have a good answer for that. I mean, if you have, you know, someone with experience or someone in the industry that you can talk to and and get some feedback on, you know, that's really helpful. But, you know, when we think about the time that we put into the the work that we create, it's hard to put a price on it, you know. You become very emotionally attached to everything that you make and it's certainly difficult. It's been very hard for me. One of the hardest things. Yeah, for sure. It's always nice when someone that isn't you can come in and tell you their opinion on what they think yeah. you should charge, who's kind of emotionally removed from your business. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. It's always nice. What's the best advice you've ever received? Gosh, I mean, I'm not sure if it's advice, but maybe I was told to just be patient in this in this industry that, you know, to make it to make it semi-profitable for yourself, I was told, like, you have to be realistic. It's difficult for artists to make mm-hmm. a living. And to just be patient, it takes time. And I think that was really helpful information for me because, you know, in the early days I was frustrated with 
you know, how was I going to make money? How was I going to make this actually a viable business? And I needed to realize that it was, it, it could really take years. You know, it takes years and years to build up an Instagram following, to build up an audience, to build up, you know, people that want to buy your fabric. And it takes a lot of work, but it takes a lot of time. And, mm-hmm. and it, was, it was good to hear that. It, it was helpful for me for sure. Yeah, that's really helpful to set those expectations early on. Well, you know, you I mean, when you're on social media, you see all these people that are like, you know, I made blah, 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 blah in six months. But reality for us is that we have to keep working at it, not give up, you know, just keep, yeah. if you really feel passionate about it and you love what you do, keep doing it, don't give up. And, and I, I really feel like it'll come in time, but it takes time, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that's such, oops, I feel like that is such a good note to end on because I got this message from someone who recommended you. She said, she sent me your Instagram profile and said, this is an awesome quilter pattern designer. I met at a gallery recently in Richmond. She is amazing. And one conversation with her made me feel like all things are possible. Oh, that's sweet. I know exactly who that is too. <laughs> Emily. <laughs> yeah. Emily. Yes. Yeah. And I totally feel that in talking with you. Just yeah. hopeful and hopeful. Yeah. inspired. So thank, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It was fun. Fun chatting with this you. This was so fun. Um, so where can we find you? Socials, website? Well, you can find me. My website is com. Um, it's one L um, at the end of Annabelle and no E. And my Instagram is little pincushion studio and Facebook. You can find me on little pincushion studio as well, but I'm, I'm not so active on Facebook. I'm very active on Instagram. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you yeah. so much. Thank you. It was really great to talk to you. It was great talking with you.